welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one unprecedented page of Talmud every day. In today's page, Eruvin 91, we read, I think, a valuable philosophical principle. Here we go. Rabbi Yehuda said, There was an incident during a time of danger when decrees were issued that banned religious observance, and we would carry a Torah scroll from courtyard to roof and from roof to courtyard and from courtyard to enclosure to read from it. The sages said to him, The halacha cannot be determined from that incident, as an incident occurring during a time of danger is no proof. At a time of danger, it is permitted to carry even in places where carrying is ordinarily prohibited by rabbinic law. I really love this idea that one should be very, very careful about distinguishing between things that we do in kind of extraordinary times in which extraordinary circumstances allow for extraordinary measures and things that we do in sort of normal, ordinary, boring times, which call for different sets of rules. And it is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast Rabbi John Spira Savet, the rabbi of Temple Beth Abraham in beautiful Nashua, New Hampshire. Rabbi, thank you for being our guest. Thank you for having me. And so, look, we are now in the midst of this uh, unprecedented pandemic that has forced us to do things that we have you know, quite literally never done before, like close up shul and try to find other ways of coming together. Some do it on Zoom, other find all kinds of outdoors activities or, or sort of remote uh, socially distanced ways to, to continue and, and be a community. And so, first of all, I want a little snapshot of what goes on in your community. And then second of all, I want to ask kind of a bigger philosophical question. Are we going to prove the sages wrong? Are we going to take some of these insights that are happening during these dangerous times and learn from them and keep them even once the pandemic, God willing, goes away soon? Or uh, do you think that the end of COVID will be the end of all these measures and experimentations that we're doing right now? Those are the questions that I think everybody is asking and rabbis, and I know conservative rabbis all around the movement are talking about right now. Beth Abraham is a community in southern New Hampshire, so we're our own kind of self-included world, even though we're about uh, less than an hour from Boston. And we immediately really had to start making decisions about what we would do once it was clear that we couldn't meet face-to-face. And in our big decisions, the first things that we really talked about had to do with the idea of a minyan and then how to do things on Shabbat. And in the conservative movement up until now, a minyan was really thought to be something that required 10 people to be right up close together. And, uh, you know, in the same room, you couldn't even be outside the room. That was uh, Rabbi Reisner's Chuva um, with a wonderful title of Wired to the Kaddish Baruch Hu from a number of years ago. And uh, which is actually something we had relied on in the past because sometimes in a normal period of time, there's just a snowstorm and you can't get together for an evening minion. And already for a few years, I was getting people together on Zoom for uh, an evening service when we would get together and just say, this is not officially a minion. We can't say Kaddish, but we'll say other prayers. And people really appreciated the chance to get together and have a you know 15 or 20 minutes of time when we were just cooped up in our homes for an extra for an extra day or two but that seemed like like it wouldn't be a sufficient framework and and we were really appreciative of the fact that the movement our, our movement teachers as a whole opened up this possibility of uh, of calling it a minyan when people can see each other's faces and hear each other's voices on zoom it's very important that it be a two-way thing and not just somebody sitting in their place uh, streaming on facebook live 
And then we really grappled with the issue of Shabbat, mostly because of all the uh, pachking around with the computer and the typing and things like that that are required to operate. Uh, pachking, of course, being an official, official Talmudic term. <laughs> yes, uh, definitely. Uh, I feel like there's no real word in English that quite uh, uh, replicates the Yiddish idea of, uh, of pachking. And we really deliberated in our ritual committee of our synagogue about this and decided, we studied even what was the really halacha, what was the the Talmudic teachings around writing, which is what's usually applied to the use of the computer, and decided that, at least for the time of now, we would consider this not to be the kind of writing that we wouldn't, the, the line that we wouldn't cross, even though in the past that we had been pretty strict about things like that in our synagogue. And at that time, we really started to talk about the, the concept of sha'at hadachak, a pressing time, an emergency time, emergency regulations, which is interesting because it's usually that's the language that halacha uses. The idea actually of sha'at sakana, a time of danger, was actually something I discovered when you invited me to open up to this stuff of the Talmud because it's really a different and unique language. I had assumed, actually, that the language of uh, a time of danger would refer to a time like now where there was uh, kind of physical danger because often we talk about sakanat nefashot in the Talmud, you know, as uh, kind of physical danger to life, which could be uh, health danger as well as uh, where Rabbi Steinsaltz here really interprets it as a time where it's dangerous to practice Judaism. So um, actually, I found it really interesting in this, uh, in this particular sugya that they talked about the idea of studying Torah as something which you could revise the laws for in, in a time of danger, in a time when the authorities or the regime would persecute you for studying Torah and being out on the roof somehow would would allow you to do that. Because because uh, I really think about the whole idea of Eru, of this workarounds in Jewish law, so you could carry things from place to place as being kind of a anything from a personal convenience to potentially kind of a, a property convenience or an economic convenience. And I'm, I'm sort of delighted that the Talmud sees it as a uh, the Torah itself is something that's so important that even though, of course, you can study Torah by yourself or in course, uh, you could maybe sneak over and knock on your teacher's door, that it's something that a group of people would, I guess, uh, massage the law in order to be able to do in a way that wasn't uh, usually done. And I think that that's a very good analogy for what we've been doing right now. I will say that I'm also kind of enchanted by this idea of the roof. Um, because we often talk at times of danger, um, we use the metaphor of underground, of going underground or doing things underground or, or hiding out in a kind of underground fashion that seems to be the metaphor for even when we play with Jewish law, kind of sotto voce and, and stuff like that. And the idea that actually a time of danger would be a time when you go up and you kind of get maybe a, either a more elevated view or a view from the rooftops, that's usually it's usually the language we talk about as sort of a calm way of gaining perspective. And I'm I'm curious, and I wasn't able in my cursory look at the commentaries to see whether whether that's the way the interpreters um, attack this metaphor. I love that. So so tell me, what of these measures that we are seeing in place right now in the time of COVID do you think are actually going to be with us even when the pandemic goes away? And, and which do you think would sort of dissipate and leave us be? I think we're going to see quickly that some of the motivations, this has drawn out um, a lot of things that I think people have been thinking about and wondering about for a while. And again, I can speak kind of within a conservative context where we have a particular attachment to Jewish law, but where we have been wondering, should we be doing this or that? And I think what we discovered, for instance, is that we're, I think, relatively 
unique for a small community and having a weeknight daily minion where we usually would get 10 people, sometimes not that much more than 10. Online, we have probably 20 people a night because it's both more convenient. You don't have to schlep to the shul, but also because it's a chance to kind of to drop in and spend some time with people, especially if you've really been uh, confined in your home. And so the idea of wanting to do that, but where the ride to the synagogue in normal times is, you know, at least as much as the time you would spend there, maybe maybe you wouldn't go. I think people are going to, you know, just want this connection and this option. And the motivation for that is really good. And I think similarly on Shabbat, where for, for various reasons, it's uh, not only uh, easier, but for, for some people, you know, the comfort of being able to, I, I mean, I, I appreciate this, the chance to kind of have your cup of coffee in your, your comfy chair and, and go to services and, that's what helps you uh, get in. I'm really for that. So I think those motivations, people have already said, oh, absolutely. Some of us, some people have said, I really want this option or I really want this there all the time. And the questions are going to be somewhat questions of design. Like, for instance, what we've jerry-rigged in our synagogue is we've got now cables and wires going around and uh, we have a monitor which somebody donated so that when we're doing a service from the sanctuary i don't i'm not using my laptop anymore but there's a whole you know setup with a, a camera over there and then because i'm not acting across my own screen i wanted to have a, a monitor where i could see people when i'm looking out to the congregation i could see people on zoom and also where the congregation could see a big enough picture of the people who are at home and uh, that was our uh, first draft of how to of how to design this We've been fortunate enough in New Hampshire that we can have people, you know, in a certain way in our sanctuary. So we have a hybrid experience on Shabbat mornings as we did on the high holidays. So the question is that, you know, people are, for the time, it seems like, okay, that's good. You can put a computer to monitor on the Bema. But, you know, aesthetically, that doesn't look right. That we have to come up with some other thing. And then, you know, what would it really mean to have a synagogue with a you know, with a big monitor in the middle of the aesthetic that that doesn't really fit with. So I think we're going to wrestle with that both on the, that might sound like a surface question, but I think it goes to a deeper question of what kind of environment is a community environment, is a Shabbat environment. So I think those are where the questions are are going to be. And I think that when we started talking in our ritual committee and our board about this, we used the language of, as I was saying, a pressing time, maybe not a time of danger. And we were conscious that we might get used to certain things. And so we said to ourselves, well, we're doing this for now. We're not promising to do this for later. But of course, we're getting used to it. And uh, we're finding that we're not being, you know, struck down by God for for doing it as we push the envelope. And I think, you know, we're human and I think that's going to stick. And we're also feeling very much a motivation to serve people. And that as much as we are committed to Jewish law, I think you do learn from uh, from a time of danger. And that's the the sages maybe are wrong because uh, because I'm sure we don't want to be people who slam the door back in people's faces and say, okay, well, now, you know, we cared about you then, but we're willing to, to put your concerns aside now just because times are back to normal. Amen to that. Rabbi, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you so much for having me. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes, Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. 
Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one, or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.